you know, I always thought it was ironic that on April 15, 1947, Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier. You hit that home run at the top Babe Ruth on April 8, 1974. That's like 27 years almost to the date. And he was your hero. And, and, and I always was fascinated by that story you told me about when you first saw Jackie Robinson when you were a kid. Well, of course, back then, I, I was my, my, my mother, my parents expected me to go to school. And I, I had read about where Jackie and the Dodgers were going to play an exhibition game in Mobile. And Jackie was speaking, I believe, at a drugstore. And I said, nah, I'm not going to have this opportunity again. So I said, I better take my chance on listening to Jackie Robinson now. And little did I know that I got front row seat. Oh, wow. But listen to this. Next to me on the front row was my father. Oh, man. <laughs> but it was worth it. Yeah, <laughs> and I, yeah. need, I don't need to tell you what happened after. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, but it was worth it. But he was he was my hero, always have been. And not only for, for what the, the baseball that he played, but simply because of the person he was. Now, after that, did you, did you guys encounter each other through the years, either when he was playing or, in, or afterwards? When I signed my contract with the Boston Braves, that I was able to play exhibition games against the Dodgers. And who do I play against but Jackie Robinson, who played maybe eight, nine, ten exhibition games against each other. And it was, uh, let me say, it was a thrill. I mean, he was a guy that was sort of the social conscious of baseball. And after he died, I know that affected you a lot, where you kind of felt like you had to be the next Jackie Robinson. It did. It did affect me. And, and in fact, um, there was no improvement as far as minorities in baseball, other than on the playing field. Right. And he wanted to see minorities even elevated, not only on the playing field, also in the front office. He felt like one step at a time, which we always talk about. And we had gotten to the point where we were, had showed everybody that we could play the game of baseball. So he was telling everybody, said, just give us a chance now to be coaches and instructors and people that we can do in the front office. I've always admired you from this standpoint, even back then. Willie Mays, Ernie Banks, you had these prominent black players at the time who could have come up and stepped up and did something and, and, and been outspoken about things that were going on. You were the only one. Did you feel sort of lonely being out there sort of by yourself? Well, yes, I did in some ways. But then I, then I thought that, you know, if you're not going to do it right, then don't do it at all. You know, um, I, I realized that the people that you just mentioned had other things. They, their, their agenda was made up of other things. You know, leading up to April 8, 1974, when you broke Babe Ruth's record, and it's just amazing to me how you were able to hit a baseball consistently with all that stuff whirling around you, with the hate mail and the and the evilness just that you experience all the time. How did you mentally, physically, and spiritually get yourself ready every game to go out there and play despite all that stuff that's around you? In spite of all of the things that I went through, and you mentioned some of them, um, I've always been able to separate the two. I always felt like once I got my once once I put the uniform on and once I got on the playing field that I could separate the two from saying an evil letter I got the day before or even 20 minutes before that I could also concentrate on what I had to do as far as trying to watch a fastball 
or somebody's throwing a ball 90 miles an hour rather than worrying about a letter that somebody sent. But do, do you ever wonder sometimes how much or how much you, how, how, what you would have done without all that stuff? Could you hit like 900 home runs instead of the 755? That, that, that is one thing I often think about. I, you know, nobody ever asks the question. If I had had the means, if somebody had said, oh, hey, come on, you know, let's go out and have dinner tonight rather than worrying about yeah. slipping out of the back doors of ballparks or staying in a hotel that uh, your ball players or your teammates were not there. Uh, I don't know what I would have done. Unless you've been stranded on a desert or in a boat without communications for the past 20 hours, you're bound to know that George Herman Ruth ceased to be the greatest home run hitter at about 9 p.m. last night. For 44, the hammer, Let's go back to that day, April 8th. It's such a fascinating day. You hit the home run, okay, and it's, and it's going toward left center field, Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. Al Downing is a pitcher. Mm-hmm. You're, you're running toward first base. Let's just stop right there. What do you think about when you go into first base? Not much of anything. I, th- I think when I touched first base and when I got almost to second base, I started thinking about, I started thinking about, isn't this wonderful that here I am, the third oldest child of Estella and Herbert Aaron, and the two of them is sitting in the stand watching me, their son, play professional baseball. Isn't it wonderful that they could be here on this day to witness history? And I tell you, to this day, I don't know how, how she managed to do it. She got to home plate quicker than I got to home plate. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great scene. And she was just, the tears are flowing. Yes, yes. What was said during that moment when you're at home plate and she's there hugging you. I, I don't think was much was said because she was choking me so much. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I could say much, you know, really. When you're running around the bases, I never will forget this. You hear that bang, bang. What were you thinking? There were fireworks. Were you thinking something else? No, not really. I, I wasn't thinking much of anything. You know, a, a good friend, and speaking about that, a very good friend of mine, uh, mm-hmm. he was on the police department at that time. I don't know whether you noticed, but in a picture that you see, you see him had a little briefcase, had a little thing around his neck. I've seen that, yes. And inside that little thing, it was a Snip Nose 32. Oh, and he goodness. told me, he said, Hank, he said, I just didn't know what to do. When you started running around the bases, those two guys started running behind you. I said, I'm glad you didn't shoot. Because they were, they were having, those two guys were having nothing oh. but just fun. That's all. I can remember very clearly that Monday, the day that you hit the home run, uh, the parents and the two brothers and I gathered around the television set. It was very similar. It had to be to where perhaps you and others back on April 15, 1947, gathered around the radio for Jackie Robinson. I mean, you were our Jackie Robinson. Did you sense, get the sensation of, of how important you were to the black uh, community with what you were doing, what you were going through? Yes, I did. In some ways, I, I felt the importance of what I was doing was really signaling, was sending a signal to the world, was telling people that, hey, yeah, all you wanted to do was have the playing field level. Just give me an opportunity. Yes, I felt that way. I felt that way that not only that I had a, I, I had the world on my shoulders as far as baseball was concerned, but I also had the world on my shoulders to demonstrate to people that, hey, just give me opportunity. 
But at that same time, you know, if you think about it, you know, Dr. King was marching and the civil rights was at its peak, you know, and we were telling people just give us a chance to drink water out of a fountain. 